Welcome to the J&J Connection Podcast. I'm Jesse. And I'm Jordan. Today, we will be joined by our friend and award-winning writer, Alexei. Привет, Kartala. To talk about politics and the economy. No opinions. Opinions. All right, now I'm going to read the fact of the day, okay? Sounds good. Saturn, or fact of the day, Saturn is the only planet in our solar system that is less dense than water, meaning it could float in a bathtub if anybody could build a bathtub big enough. Ain't that interesting? That's that's another one. Wow, that is... (laughs) I'm, I'm going to make some producer sounds here. <laughs> Clickety-click. <laughs> I don't know about this fact. No, it's... Uh, I, okay. I actually remember in my astronomy class back in college, back in the old college days. Oh, oh boy. Those days. Um, my professor actually told us this, that um, it is actually not dense at all. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's 94% hydrogen, the lightest element, and 6% helium, the second lightest element. So. Yeah. I mean, that's just a weird thing to think of a planet floating, but there there it is. Space yeah. space is weird, man. Well, that's kind yes. of so that's kind of what suns are. They're just really big balls of hydrogen, but eventually they just get big enough to ignite themselves or start start the fusion so mm. that sounded hardcore the way you said that <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be honest i try <laughs> alexei welcome to the podcast yeah nice nice to be here thanks for having me uh buddy this is alexei alexei yes this is uh, yeah this is who i call buddy but his name is jordan <laughs> oh i'm sorry i'm stupid <laughs> 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 <Yes>. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> so, oh, uh, Alexei. Yes. Who, who is Alexei? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, definitely one I ask myself uh, probably more than I should. Uh, so, uh, I guess I'm a. I, I consider myself a big humanitarian nerd guy. So like history buff uh i'm a i love writing um i published some research earlier this year uh, as a co-author with uh the head of communi- communications from our college uh chapin mm-hmm. um and uh you and i got to know each other pretty well as being co-managers for our quote-unquote college capstone discover you yeah. <laughs> at penn state beaver uh we shared a lot of interesting experiences uh, together, for sure. But we, we made it out on top, so that's me, I would say, in a nutshell. What about you, you missed Russian boy? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> I I'm, in... I'm a Russian boy with, a, with an I at the end, specifically. <laughs> that I wrote in the notes. <laughs> right. So, so, so what was your – I have two questions, actually. Um, yeah. What was your paper written on and uh, – I, I prefaced with award-winning, and I definitely oh. knew that uh, whenever Jesse wrote it. I mean, I wrote it for myself. Must be we spit up water. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so the research was done on um, 
So it was done on bystander intervention and parenting styles. And <laughs> basically all that is is like people standing up to bullies on behalf of other people. Mm-hmm. And parenting styles, which was what I wrote about for the paper, was how parenting, different types of parenting styles can affect people as they grow up. So strict versus like the type of parent who wants to be your best friend versus kind of a Goldilocks parent who's in the middle. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And the awards were uh, for a article I wrote for the newspaper uh, club that we had on campus. Jesse, uh, you remember about um, the person that was murdered on our campus, right? Yeah, I, that was yeah. right before I came. Yeah, so uh, I, I covered uh, domestic violence and like the social issues aspect, and uh, that was definitely one of the trickiest articles I've ever written. But on the other hand, the payoff was the awards. So yeah, that's that's all I really got to say about it. Mm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> nice. There's always we always I at least whenever we record these, I always have the question in my mind is. How much hmm do I want to do? Like, do oh, I want to abbreviate? You with me. I, I, have a, I have an instinct on that. So, Alexei. Yes. You wanted to talk about politics. But yes, so, I did. But so, so Jordan has been chomping at the bit. Bits. <laughs> 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 to, mm. to talk about politics. Let's do it. So, I'm, 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 I feel like it's it's rare where i get to actually have legit discussions about it so uh i'm i'm ready for this i'm totally game yeah well my hesitation on approaching politics uh is just you know obviously it's a highly charged subject no matter who you talk to and it's hard to find somebody with a little bit more nuance and a willingness to understand what other people are saying and so that's that's always my uh I go into political discussions with that that hat on, and I try to be um, as diplomatic as possible. But yeah, it's hard Absolutely. hard to find hard to find good company to do that with. So see, just, I think the reason why is because a lot of people go into the political conversation like, "All right, I need to prove to this person why I'm right," <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of going into it saying, "No, that honestly," instead of going into it thinking, "Okay, I have this is." how i feel this is going but maybe there's something i can take from Mm -hmm. this other and that's a huge part for me i mean if i know someone is not going to offer anything but the same like you know two or three generic responses i don't even engage because Mm -hmm. there's nothing valuable to learn from that you know yeah yeah for sure i mean i feel like my take on politics is i just don't i i don't care for it and that's why I think this is going to be interesting because I'm, I'll rep- pretty much repre- represent the group of people that's kind of just absolutely tired of it and doesn't want to have any business with it. Where I feel like you two are more, you're more engaged with it. So I think we have have like an in- interesting takes here. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I feel like you can definitely be the one who can steer us away from anything to, if we go down too de- deep into the rabbit hole. 
So I think that's mm. going to be a good combo, honestly. Mm. So should should we just should we just start? Yeah, just you just dive right in. I mean, you when I when I uh, talked to you about this, you you wrote up a list pretty quickly. Yes, <laughs> so, I did. Yes. So so all right, I'll, I'm going to just throw a dart at at the wall and let's see. But yeah. um, so Bernie, he dropped. He officially dropped out. Um, he that's it's kind of obvious now who the assumed candidate is going to be. And uh, I guess I'm just going to preface it by saying, like, what are your guys' general reactions to this? So I, I was uh, going into it. I was uh, um, on Biden's side uh, when, whenever all of this started because I thought he represented a more return to normalcy type of politics. And so I've been looking at it. And it's interesting, really, to see what Bernie had to offer, uh, because he sort of stood out as the uh, lone progressive. Uh, Elizabeth Warren obviously caught a little traction early, but then Bernie started to pull away from the group as like the the figurehead of progressive, and that became apparent, especially after uh, Mayor Pete and uh, Amy Klobuchar dropped out and. Everyone right. who's not a progressive flocked to Biden, and sort of that's that's the situation we were left with. Biden just ran away with it after that, and so it's definitely it. I think it really gives a show of what the Democratic Party sort of looks like, and uh, given the choice between hardcore progressivism or whatever anybody perceives as hardcore progressivism, and return to normalcy, especially in the context of. Donald Trump being president with a lot of shakeups um, and not necessarily uh, Republican ideals. Um, it's we're getting a true look at what the Democratic Party looks like at the moment. So, well, what's really interesting that you said was kind of you hinted that at the beginning when Biden just announced it, you were a little bit more interested or excited. Is is mm-hmm. that would you say that's true? Like when he yeah. first started. Yeah, yeah, he was he, he was my safe guy. Like I, I <laughs> wasn't, wasn't I was I'm a little more nuanced or a little bit torn on my affiliation to the Democratic Party, but I think it's better than where the Republicans are. And well, so, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that it's just funny because when when this when he first announced it, I was actually pretty pumped. I was like, okay, like you were saying, return to kind of what we know and. Oh, he was with Obama and all those mm-hmm. memes on the internet years ago <laughs> helped me like him a little more. Yeah. Uh, and then he started talking and <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, this is not, this is not who I thought Biden was. Right. And I guess that's a weird thing to say, but all the gaffes he did and then other politicians were pointing out like some of the more shadier parts of his history and the longer he ran, the less I felt supportive of him. I would say it's a it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, I'm on um, the, I'm on the same page with you. Just after after him being thrust in the limelight, especially with uh, Pete and Amy being like very competent foils to him, seeing him consolidate power and then just uh, being on TV a lot more often you can start to see that he's definitely lost a step and it's 
He's yeah. lost, well, he lost about four steps. Me. I mean, <laughs> he was going against these, like you were saying, like these foils, and it was like, okay, but this is like, Donald, we all know Donald Trump is a very aggressive politician. Mm-hmm. And he's messing up on people who are going light in attacking him versus how Trump is going to go about it. Or at least that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm more concerned because, like, I thought he was going to be the safe bet for the general election. And I thought he'd be able to hold his own. But I just don't know if – I don't know. I mean, it's not really hard, like you're saying, to have nuance and politics politics when you compare yourself to trump but i just don't know if biden has that like caliber to actually pull it off i guess is really what i'm saying i feel like biden's the kind of guy who after watching him talk some more in these debates i feel like he's the kind of guy who would straight up try to fight donald trump (laughs) 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 he'd be like get over here buster (laughs) yeah I'm going to crack you in the head. I mean, you have to give Bernie Sanders credit. I mean, he this is the second, you know, he's dropped out again. But mm-hmm. he really changed the rhetoric of the Democratic Party. Like, before him and after him, I feel people are going to say there's a very distinct difference in what was being focused on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In terms of what? Like, uh, like the conversations around healthcare and conversations mm. around just basically kind of the financial infrastructure we have in place. Because, like, as Americans, we're all raised like this is the perfect system, and there's nothing that can ever be changed or added to it. And I feel like Bernie kind of slammed a lot of that with a hammer and said, "Well, no, look at look, we could do this, we could do that." Mm-hmm. And he kind of started that conversation. No, I definitely agree with that. He, he definitely brings a new perspective and an energy as well as an understanding for what uh, energizes people of the Democratic Party, especially the younger people. And But to me, whenever I see um, his signature policy that I think actually has, that is drawn out, is Medicare for All. And that's sort of the talk of, the party now and he's been really influential in bringing that to the forefront but as far as other policies for me it seems like medicare for all is his signature thing oh absolutely i would agree with you right 100%. And, then, and then the rest of it all is all you know he's pointing out the problems and he's saying saying countries that handle these problems differently but those those types of policy and talking is a lot less hammered out and there's a lot lot of lot less um hard policy ideas coming from his camp and even even when he's mentioning countries like the scandinavian model and stuff like that i there's been multiple examples where what he's describing isn't indicative of the scandinavian model or uh, social democratic models and sort of I can get the Medicare for all and speaking to those problems is definitely an important aspect, but um, finding a way you, to address them is going to be weird. I think you nailed it on the head, though. I think that was one of the biggest barriers preventing him from actually getting more traction is a lot of it is just that. It's rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Uh, rhetoric is not the same, like you're saying, as hard Kind of that's, and I think that's what where Warren was gaining traction is people were attracted to the fact that she seemed to have fleshed out 
uh, more detailed, grounded ideas. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like you're like you can't you can't compare us to the Scandinavian countries because we're just this totally different, massive, complicated monster of a country. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to fit it into that box, I think, definitely damaged him in the long run. Mm-hmm. especially with a lot more moderate uh, Democrats. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think I saw the stat while Elizabeth Warren was popular that she did have a lot of the educated vote, a lot of um, higher educated vote as well. She was getting the lion's share of uh, support from highly educated individuals. So, yeah, I think that that speaks to what you were saying as well. And now that Bernie's dropped out and that energy is kind of going to be gone uh, and looking at Biden by himself, I, I don't know. Do you guys get the impression like this is 2016 election, like, but like the like the diet version, basically, <laughs> this is, it's like Hillary Light TM. That's trademark, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I feel kind of like it's not as bad and people don't have quite the same anger or hostility towards him but he's still kind of oozing that like like that that feelings that a lot of people felt towards hillary in 2016 like oh he's just part of that establishment and oh he's not he's not going to do anything any radical changes or whatever i don't know what do you guys think i go ahead buddy (sighs) see because i'm not i'm definitely not even near as deep as you two are in this well so but so just on the just on the face of it what does it look a biden trump race what does that look like to you it looks like a but it looks like two men in a ymca sauna (laughs) (laughs) debating over (laughs) over um i don't know which horse they're gonna bet on (laughs) yeah it's like that's that's how i feel about it and it's like it's so stupid and i i don't want to say it's it's so it's so old as in it, it's they're old people, but it's like we've seen the same um, song and dance over. We've seen it already, and it's like we're not going to go anywhere with if if, Don, if if Trump wins again or if Biden wins. I don't I don't think you're going to really go that far either way. Other than if you're with Biden, you're going to be angry at him over something different. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like his strongest argument is, look, I'm not the other guy. That's it. And that's that's not that's not a strong foundation for what a leader is supposed to be. Like, for sure. like if it's like if the Soviet Union had elections and anyone besides Stalin obviously would be better. <laughs> but that guy could be just slightly kill like, you know, maybe 20 million people instead of 30 million. But that's right. not. You're not addressing the issue at hand, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, I sort of in – so as, as to whether or not this is another Hillary and uh, Trump race, I, I really don't think so. I think a lot of the um, the people in the suburbs, the voters usually go Republican, are uh, are for one reason or another getting really tired of whatever Donald Trump is putting forth. And I think there may be some stomach in that demographic to start voting Democratic, especially a Democrat who seems centrist, even though he's not really centrist in Joe yeah. Biden. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all of the disservices that Trump has been doing to himself 
are, um, I think, going to show in that type of dem demographic. But as far as the argument that he sort of is only just a little bit better, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think um, that Biden, you know, give, given two healthy parties, he would not be the guy who would be heading one of them. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. But um, it's I mean he, he he comes in with this basic understanding of what it is to be a statesman and a politician, and a lot of what gets what grinds people's gears about Trump is that he doesn't adhere to those unspoken rules that statesmen and politicians have adhered to up until now, and so holding to to those standards really just. It, it doesn't matter because he, he doesn't care about the standards. Right. But I think Joe Biden may, at the very least, bring, you know, you can you can shame him with the things he's doing wrong as opposed to Trump, who does them and then... Gloats uh, he, about he, it. <laughs> well, yeah, he gloats about it yeah. because he, he gets scorn heaped on him by the media figures and other people, and his the people who vote for him love it. Like, yeah, they, they're a, eating it up, yeah. yeah. And I think this pandemic is really highlighting um, kind of what's wrong with the Trump administration, because mm -hmm. like like even though his hardcore base loves him, if he had any floaters uh, coming up to this election, they're gone now. I, I'm pr I feel pretty confident about that because uh, like you know, these sort of situations, it's like a wartime situation where a lot of presidents kind of take it and run with it. Mm -hmm. And they get to have a moment where they get to show, see, this is why you elected me. I can be a leader. Mm -hmm. Trump didn't have that moment. Uh, I feel like quite the opposite because people are looking at him now and saying, God, he can't even get this right. Mm -hmm. Like, like what, what can he do at this point? You know? Yeah, yeah. He def you get the sense that a lot of people would just wish that his experts would talk, rather than he would, and or, and that's just not the way he's run his administration so far. And I mean, imagine, imagine if Trump was president during nine eleven, like how would that have even looked like? No, yeah. seriously, like how would have that like even Bush and you know I mean. We can. There's a whole lot you can say about Bush, but at least he handled that part gracefully. You know, like at least the initial reaction, which was like, "Oh, you know, I need to kind of take the mantle now." You know, yeah, he Trump, seemed like Trump a didn't do that. Exactly, um, dude. You know, and what he does later, I'm not. We don't have to get into that, but I'm just saying that original reaction is supposed to be kind of like a like a like a very easy score. Do you right. know what I mean? Well, yeah, I think that's easy for someone who runs on a message of unity, a sincere message of unity. Um, because, you know, once you become president, you represent everyone, whether or not they like it. And you know, people will complain about you, but people generally understand that they are attempting to do what is good. And I, a lot of the language around that has changed in uh, society where it's just, People no longer think that the president has their interest in mind at all. And with Trump, that fear is explicit because he explicitly says that he he is not doing this for everyone and that a lot of what he does is despite the Democrats, even if even if his policy doesn't actually reflect that, the things that he's saying is 
I do not represent everyone. I represent the people I want to represent, and the other ones can pound sand or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's definitely... But here's the thing. Like, someone said it really well, where they said, like, Trump is more a symptom of an issue hmm. that we've had for years now. And hmm. I, if I saw this chart where in the late 90s you see this giant polarization start to happen between Democrats and Republicans. And it mm -hmm. just gets massively and massively proportionally just larger and larger until today. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like Trump kind of highlighted something that we've already had. Um, oh, for sure. Well, yeah, it's it's one thing to, you know, the congressman will say, I think the Democrats are sincerely trying to ruin this country. And then it turns out once you run on a message that you've been telling people like that since what I'm guessing it started near Clinton. Uh, right. That once you tell them explicitly, it's weird to have the rhetoric inside of Congress and the Senate and say that they are trying to do they're trying to ruin our country and then run as a president who says, I think we can all do this together. And he finally just uh, he came in and he did again, no statesman background and just says what everyone is thinking. And it's like. Why didn't we have this guy before? And uh, there I'm speaking about Trump. Mm -hmm. And he finally right. he finally just acknowledges the elephant in the room that we really don't like each other. And once he actually speaks to that, then it comes off as genuine. And people people like people who say genuine things, even if they suck. See, I, I, can, at yeah. I can attest to that because even when he started running, I, I liked that about him. I didn't vote for him. <laughs> but... Mm -hmm. I was like, I like this. I wish more people would be like this. He's just far too brash about it. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I just don't understand people who actually will hate someone else just because. I mean, I don't know. It's just weird to me that people are embracing this pack mentality, like this tribalism mentality. Yeah. When we are the tribe, like we are all americans here we all want what's best for the country mm -hmm. so it's just kind of short-sighted to me a little bit that people are gonna kill each other over one topic well then an another thing you lose in that once you sort of you have to circle the wagons and rally around some ideas is that some of those ideas are objectively bad like i i was whenever i started college i was a pretty uh i wouldn't say hardcore democrat but i i agreed with most every point Democrat, uh, the, the Democratic Party had. But as I go on in life, the, the standout issue for me has been uh, pro-life versus pro-choice. And for me, I, I understand why pro, why abortion is legal in the country. And I, it's not, I don't think it's the government's job to outlaw it or it's one way or the other. But now we have a situation in America where I think the last Democratic congressman who was pro-life is now out, and the entire the entirety of the party is um, pro-choice, and and it's not just a pro-choice like uh, safe and rare or safe, legal and rare was a uh, huge push, right. especially Amy, Amy Klobuchar was saying that as well, safe, legal and rare, but now it's like. It's weird. Like they embrace, uh, they encourage um, abortion, and if that were, if that were the hill I were going to die on, I would steer far, far away from the Democratic Party. Right, and and here's the 
question really at the end of the day is with all that's been going on in the past four years, um, where do you guys think we factor now on the world stage? Where do you think uh, our position has shifted since, let's say, 2016? We're definitely the bad guys. <laughs> I think it's very clear that we have our own interests yeah. in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, I feel like, you know, I mean, people have always felt strongly about our country, but I felt like we've lost a lot of our position, like our ground um, in the past four years to uh, neighboring let's say like enemies right like are people who really like countries that really do really want to see us get knocked down a peg like those canadians uh, <laughs> those damn canadians now. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I'm, I'm just gonna say it uh, china right? right um that that's the big one where we're so busy squabbling with within ourselves domestically that we're not even really paying attention to a lot of the kind of aggressive tactics, brass tacks that they've been doing. Mm-hmm. And it's not really being discussed. Um, and so, yeah, real, quick, real quick, when, we, when we say they, we don't mean the people from China. We, yes. We mean oh, oh God, yes. like the communist government. Yes. 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 I just want to, yes. I just want to clarify that. Yes, absolutely. That was assumed in my mind. Thank mm-hmm. you. For I just, just want to make sure. <laughs> Everything's yes. good. good clarification. Yeah. yeah. All right, continue. But yeah, with the pandemic um, now, people, and oh, in Hong Kong, right, and all those things, people are starting to pay a little more attention. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of like, I don't know. It just feels like there's a lot of the same factors that were leading up to uh, the Cold War. And a part of me is wondering, okay, is this like the appetizer to a potential second Cold War 20 years from now? You know? Yeah. Well, go ahead. Sorry. I don't know. I was kind of thinking somewhere somewhere along those lines, just basically on how the world seems to be moving right now. I'm I'm not talking either just like a U.S. versus China thing. I'm just saying like how – there, there seems to be a lot of negative negativity going on in the world today. And I don't know if that's just because we have social media and we're more aware of everything. Or if it's because it really is that bad out there. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah I, I guess there's a lot of negativity in the world. But whenever people are trying to push their own um, agenda... Yeah, I guess they're trying to put you into their ideological shoes and say this thing that is happening is bad. And whenever whenever a party or an administration does that to you, you start to become skeptical of those things. And it's like, is this really bad? Is this actually a good thing? And they're trying to trick me or something. I feel like a lot of our uncertainty comes from that. And so we see a lot of negativity in the world as a as a result. And you also have to notice that the trend for the past, like, three or four decades is the privatization of media companies. So it's really, I think, really what it comes down to is ratings and money. I mean, the people who are going to be getting promoted and 
getting to climb up that ladder now are people who are able to get a reaction. Mm-hmm. And usually fear is a pretty strong bet if you want to garner a quick and fast re- reaction, right? right? Mm-hmm. At least that that's my take on it. Um, and that's why, like, you know, we got our communication degrees. The, the more I learned about our context, I was thinking, oh, crap. Did, was this the was this the wrong degree? <laughs> Did, like, is that, no seriously? Because like, we were going into it with kind of an idea of what media is, but it's radically changing. We're in the wild west of what media is going to become twenty, thirty years from now. So right. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder. I feel like that's yeah. that's why it's good to have an entre- entrepreneurial kind of mind with a communications degree absolutely absolutely because Um, like it it is hard to find work right now like that's no lie (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, true but being able to Uh, being able to make something out of what you've already learned can can only help you anyway that's off that's off topic (laughs) <laughs> but going back to what we were talking about the world's is, falling apart <laughs> it feels like it feels like it especially right now uh, i mean and everyone's so scared right now and all these bills are being passed now like do you guys know what i'm talking about in congress recently like under the guise of the pandemic they they did this like encryption bill that's being passed right now encryption bill what is that like uh it was it's like they they're they're making it legal to basically see any uh online data that they need to or want to like uh there was some barriers in the past and everyone likes to make jokes about oh the nsa is watching me do this and that but um they want to just completely remove that mm-hmm. and people are too preoccupied with the pandemic to really care about that right now yeah i didn't see that huh. i have to look into that yeah, and that's the scary part is things like that happen, and you're like, crap. Why? Why isn't like, where's the watchdogs? Right? right? Like, democracy mm-hmm. used to have dogs that would bark, and now they're too busy chasing the newest, you know, fear mongering topic mm-hmm. instead of focusing on the real stuff. Well, yeah, so. that's that's sort of one th- one thing you get after listening to C-SPAN for a billion hours right after you get the uh, pin that's or the bumper sticker you can put on your car about it um <laughs> the thing you get is that all all of the media's mess messaging whether it be fox news or cnn or whoever you follow all of the messaging has some there's a lot of background you need to be familiar with in order to get what they're actually saying and so a lot because a lot of the media i was looking at was talking about how the Democrats were trying to push this bill through and the Republicans were the only one in the way. And a lot of the reason that the bill got delayed is because of the Democrats trying to put in uh, different... um, You can argue whether or not they're good or bad, but a lot of it was just completely unrelated to the stimulus. And uh, But they successfully somehow messaged it so that it looked like the Republicans were the ones holding it up. And it's, it's... and you wouldn't recognize that if you just read that headline and a lot of that. Right. And I didn't, I'm not like a full on conspiracy theorist that says that the media is out to get you or the media is actively trying to deceive you. 
but these people have ideas of the way things work and sometimes they're wrong and it's hard to tell because they don't put in the headline also this is factually incorrect or inaccurate <laughs> right right uh yeah that's a that's actually a good point um yeah it's and like you were saying earlier people are so desensitized and so suspicious now um because of the current rhetoric mm -hmm. so it's just it's gonna be interesting to see where we go from this i feel like right? that's me that, that that's what do you mean that's how i identify like i'm I'm always suspicious of like I feel like there's like a, a bigger plan like since you just said that um they just passed that bill right right um and who was it buddy we talked about it last on our last episode last week um it's I mistake I mistook, surveillance I mistook his name for John Snow uh <laughs> what's his Edward name? Snowden yeah Edward <laughs> Edward Snowden he he put like tweeted out or something that um during this pandemic, the government is going to implement these different ways to watch you. And more than likely they're going to stay that way. And, Oh yeah. Yeah. And here we have Alexei's telling us that this bill just happened, just passed. And yeah. now it's like they're taking advantage of a crappy situation. Mm -hmm. And so it's and like, that's, that's, that's how it always works though throughout history. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that's why everyone's like, oh, you know, it's a slippery slope, guys. But that's that's the way it is. You know, it always is like that. Mm -hmm. Once you give an inch and they see you're willing to give an inch, they're always going to be like, oh, how about a mile now? Oh, let's see where that wall is. And then once that new wall is built, that's where the new line is. And that's it. So I have an interesting question off that. I think I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's slightly off topic but um so let's say we go to the point where we're being under surveillance 24 7 all the time now mm -hmm. how far do you think americans or the the average citizen is willing to take it before doing something about it or like revolting do you think that'll ever okay. become reality Hmm. Well, it depends what you mean by revolting, I guess, right? Um, are we talking like militia or are we talking like peaceful protests? I mean, I feel like a peaceful protest is would come sooner, but what if they keep saying no, like we're not going to change this? Do you think it would get to like a civil war? Ooh, oh, uh, I don't know if civil war, but I think it would become... To the point where uh, it would have to be really drastic. Um, I think it really would have to address like primitive needs for people to actually grab the pitchforks and actually do it. Well, let let you know what I mean. Let's say they pass a bill where they're allowed to, even if your phone's not on, look through your phone, and they just straight up say like, "Yeah, there's occasions where we can look through your phone." Yeah, I don't know if that. I don't know what 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 do you think, Jordan, about that? So, um, one thing I want to address before diving into the question is, there's not like it's not like one person is just going to say this is the way it is, or like the president can't make a right or order that. tomorrow. Absolutely right. So, so, which informs my answer. It it really just depends on states. I mean, the division of states 
as far as those types of topics are concerned it brings the it brings the message to a more local level even even at the state level and people can collectively make decisions like that for themselves because i'm sure new york has a lot looser um crime enforcement laws than uh or uh, what surveillance uh laws where the uh, police can utilize surveillance more because uh, right. democratic states are just more amenable for, to that for one reason or another whereas conservative states are more um, suspicious of that type of activity and so a, a lot of it is state by state uh, as far as if there is a I don't think it would ever get to a point where the states are so divided on how they want to surveil, surveil people that they'll start warring with each other but right. I it really just depends on how strongly you can make the case for security versus being private. And I fall really far on the private side of things, mm. but right. it, se- it seems right. to me that the, the appetite of the country is that, you know, as long as the right people are getting surveilled, then we should surveil them. Even if it means that they have less protection for themselves. Yeah. And yeah. that, that really, it really comes back around to how suspicious of, other people we are people in the other party where we say um well the example that i'm thinking now is sort of slightly different but um it's the people want the government to take over the uh the amazon so they can ship postage faster or whatever and a lot of people advocating for that are democrats and but what you don't realize is the person in the White House isn't a Democrat. He's a Republican, mm-hmm. and he's going to use it for Republican stuff, even when the Democrats are the ones who voted for it. And you know, like you said, once the law goes into effect, it never goes away. Like, right? And that yeah. that weapon is can now be used by anyone, and uh, for better or for worse. Yeah, and you know, as far as just when I think of revolution, right? Mm-hmm. I think like do or die, liberty or death. I think like the the communist revolution for the Soviet Union, for example, right? Um, and when you look at stuff like that, it always comes down to like are people dying in the streets? Basic level of just panic, right? You know. Um, so as Americans, we're we're definitely way too comfortable, I think, to ever. I think it's just it's just not going to be possible. Uh, to have an armed militia unless things would get so bad that that would be threatened basically right um and that's why i asked you about peaceful protests because i'm like okay so maybe if enough younger people and you know just everyone started being more active and started giving more of a crap right Mm. that could drastically change um the political atmosphere we have right now like imagine how much of the voter base isn't actually using their weight right so i feel like that something like that would happen way before we we would ever even think about like the worst case scenario yeah which is what you're talking about yeah i I think the revolt happens when the state is no longer responding to any input that the people have and I don't think we ever get to that point in American politics. It's always one side gets their say over the other uh, to, to, a, to an extent. It's not like it's absolute, 
but one side is getting their way and the other people are trying to push back and you know every uh and we go back and forth so much that it ends up people tend to get their way a lot and people uh, laws change to accommodate whatever the feeling is and then uh we get pushed back from the other direction like it's no it's no surprise to me that we have bill clinton democrat george bush republican obama democrat trump republican like that's just people people tend to push one way and then whenever they're not happy with the results they tend to push the other way and so i think like outright just militias and such would be would have to follow a long period of people contributing to the econ or the to the political system and getting absolutely no feedback from the government right you know yeah i think you're actually when when i think about it i think you're right about states having kind of the final say on that because like look at gay marriage right mm -hmm. that was something that was just gridlocked on the federal level and it just over time state by state they started tipping the scales to the point where the federal government saw the writing on the wall and they finally did it right well, well that wasn't the federal government even that was the uh, supreme court which is no you're right you're right but still but the point mm -hmm. still is there is the states kind of they st they kind of threw their weight towards that and you just kind of saw the this trend mm -hmm. forward so when we see like what we have right now in America, you have to think, okay, how long is it going to be until we start doing this trend? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe California and New York will be the first ones where they're just like, screw it, screw this. We're not going to do the surveillance or screw this. We're not going to do this bipartisan, you know, bickering or whatever, mm. but mm -hmm. what's the step for that to actually start happening, I guess is really where we need to think, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, so what do you guys think about um, how the economy is reacting to the pandemic and how that's going to impact American life? Like, what do you guys feel is the trends that are going to happen now? Where, where do you guys think, like, it's going to go from here, I guess, basically, is what I'm asking. But, uh, so, well, what, so what do you what do you think? What exactly uh, are you seeing in, is it the stimulus that you're talking about specifically, or just the economy in general under the, uh, under the conditions of a quarantine? Uh, economy in general is what I'm thinking. It's bad. Because, like, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, no, right. But it's like we've seen the economy, like especially from our part, it's been increasing for a while. It's just been going up and up. Mm -hmm. And now people are talking like, oh, is this going to be like the next Great Depression? Is this where how is it? Because wages haven't been increasing for a while and people already been complaining about that. So now that we have that positive gone, where's it going to go from here? You know? Yeah. Yeah, this is it truly, it's a unique thing because not only is the economy, has it, has it stopped improving, but the push of the government in telling everyone to stay home is that we, we have no interest in trying to keep it going at the moment. 
at the expense, you know, in order to save people's lives. Right. And like, I, I'm in, I'm in favor of that, but it is really <laughs> interesting because it, the scale of to which that the economy has just been stopped is amazing, especially when you look at the unemployment numbers. Because in like 2008, I don't know what we got even close to as far as what the uh, what the uh, number of people who are applying for unemployment is. Mm-hmm. But we crested like 17 million in the last three weeks. And it's like that dwarfed 2008, uh, the number of unemployment claims being made in 2008 by like hundreds of times. And so it's it's just amazing to me what's happening as far as I don't think that the economy is ruined because all the people are just staying home and one day we're going to come back out into the world and start doing things again and so I think there's a lot of pent-up production that isn't going to go away it just needs to come back Um, and that might not be the case if we just let the virus run its toll it might take a lot of our production out but I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about what's going to happen in the future. But immediately right now, it's not, obviously it's yeah. not good. It's going to get worse yeah, before it gets better. Go ahead, Alexa. I feel like, I feel like the job market is going to specifically be kind of the Achilles heel here. Cause I think you're absolutely right, Jordan, that, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, 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 we're the United States. We're going to bounce back. You know, that's kind of our shtick, <laughs> but but what about people like like Jesse and I literally just graduated? Mm-hmm. Like what, what what does that mean for us now? Because we're going to be entering an economy that like you said dwarfed the 2008 recession and people were saying it was really hard to actually have a career around that time. So where I guess where do we fit in? Are we just screwed now? Is that it? See th- uh oh uh, uh, uh. Go for it. I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So that's that's what I meant. What I meant earlier, whenever I said it's good to have like an entrepreneurial mind during with this degree, because I like I don't know if I will find a job in my field. Like, I I had a job that wasn't in my field, and I've been I've been offered jobs from other friends that aren't in the communications field. It's all sales crap, <laughs> and I'm like. I, that's not what I went to school for. <laughs> why would I, why would I do right. that? So right. I feel like you really have to be able to do something by yourself and find a way to make money by yourself or off yourself. Yeah. And, and I guess my reaction like to all of this has been kind of, I mean, not sales. I'm not going to do sales, but I've definitely lowered the bar on like how happy I need to be at a job I'm doing. Cause I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. thinking right now, just getting something remote, getting something that's kind of consistent might be a huge win mm-hmm. in the context of this. And that's kind of a grim thing to think. Right. Um, but that's just kind of my take on it. It's just like, because the stock market is so volatile and no one knows where it's really going to go from here, I'm buckling down. But that's my personal kind of reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I. Whenever it comes to the particulars of like people actually getting jobs, this 
the people who manage to keep their jobs through this, I mean, everything's going to be fine for them. But yeah, people entering the job market, it's it's. I, I'm I'm no economist or anything, but it just. I think it's going to be tight, and it's going to be a lot of people taking jobs that they don't necessarily want to take. But at the same time, at least hopefully once we companies are thinking about building infrastructure that doesn't uh, require people to go into, like physically to go into work. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe, maybe there's some sort of push that makes it more likely that they're hire, they'll hire you with the ex- expectation that you will not be coming to work. And maybe they can save money that way and create more jobs that way. But that's a good point. That I, is a good point. The, and that like that's not based on anything. Like I'm hoping if I if I could control all aspects of a or of a company right now, that's maybe what I'd be trying to focus on. But I I don't have that power, nor uh, do I have that insight into people actually running companies. I'm hoping we learn some lessons from this, but. It, it doesn't seem like anybody knows, because all the problems that you're saying, like the wage stagnation and things like that, they existed before, and the fact that nothing is working now, I don't think is going to help us fix those problems. And I don't even know, I don't know if a major shakeup like this will refocus those problems, because we might just go back to thinking, okay, how do I get a job even if I hate it, and even if it makes bad money? I just people might right. be in survival mode after this and it's just... well and and that's what inspires me about people like jesse because <laughs> when i hear things like that i'm like yeah that's america right there hmm. you know but as someone who is and jesse can testify i'm not like that very much hmm. i'm much more kind of like you know just go in somewhere and work hard and all that and just be industrial hmm. basically mm-hmm. industrious but I just feel like the majority of people fall more in my line of thinking and that's going to be a lot harder to address, you know, because yep. the Jesse's of the world, they'll, they'll do it regardless of what's going Stop on. Stop praising me. I haven't done anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, you guys are, well, look what you guys are doing right now. Right. I mean, I, I, this is, this is exactly the type of stuff we need more of, but the issue that really comes down to it is most people, just don't have that out of the box type of thinking and i'm kind of just shooting myself in the foot here but (laughs) but i'm just being honest i'm just being brutally honest because like i don't that's there's a lot of risks with what you guys are trying to do and that's awesome and i'm experimenting with some of my own stuff um but it's not where i'm putting my eggs in and that basket I've been putting my eggs in just kind of got smashed mm-hmm. <laughs> by a virus. <Yeah>. So <laughs> and I'm just looking at my wicker basket and I'm just holding the pieces thinking, okay, now what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. I, I, I'm sort of the same way too. I being, being in school, they sort of expect you to do things that I'm, I'm doing my best to keep up, but I'm very much of the mind. Like, if I could find something I could do where someone just sat me in a chair and said, do this, and then I did it and got paid and was happy, like, that would that would be the life for me. But, yeah, it, it's sort of, I don't know, I realize just there's things I want in life that I can't achieve by, like, just being sat down. And 
I think a lot of people are going to come to that realization once they have to stay indoors and not, and there, there just aren't those jobs ready for people to do. Um, right. And it's, right. you know, you just, you have to get creative and we're, uh, just, you also got to be patient. True. Yeah. Yeah. That might be the biggest issue with me, honestly, is I like to see things because like when you have the, that typical type of job, you get that almost immediate, like, reward right mm -hmm. you know like oh i just got paid this amount in the last hour awesome mm -hmm. do you know oh, <laughs> you yeah. know it's a lot more tangible mm. so i don't know i mean with how things are going right now uh we're going i think as a country we're going to have to reinvent our image a little uh the way we do things and those structures you were talking about mm -hmm. like obviously what happens next time there's something like this yeah, hopefully we're right? ready for it <laughs> Yeah, ideally, right? Yeah. But, I mean, we had a similar situation 100 years ago, and obviously we did not learn enough from that. <laughs> like, like, can you imagine if you were in the 1920s and you had something like that, someone gave you the internet in your hand? Like, you would feel like that's God powers right there. <laughs> they would look at us and be like, how the hell have you not, like, how the hell are you in our shoes a hundred years later? What the, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just rambling. So, but that's, I don't know. Well, yeah, I definitely, a lot of people are sort of, they, one thing that, that encouraged me about people of our age and people younger is that they do recognize these problems and eventually we will get our turn to deal with them. And there's a lot of people. So we might find some creative ways to deal with it and, that's you know that's encouraging to me that uh, those people will eventually have influence on the society in which we live and things will be better for it and so and it kind of sucks that that's, we can't nice. it's kind of it sucks we can't just impose those things on society as, today but at the same time i feel like the systems in place have got us this far and they deserve their due and we'll get our chance to change them eventually mm. well and you know and and i, I just want to point out that like we are incredibly wealthy when you look at all of humankind throughout history. Mm. Like it is nauseating how comfortable we are in that, in that regard. But mm. on the other hand, it's also like, but there's so much more potential, you know, and mm -hmm. as technology and education and all these things progress proportionally, you can just, there's so much more we can do with it. And I just feel like, we're kind of stuck in outdated models of thinking mm. and I'm part of the problem in that way. So I'll give credit to that. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. But you guys, I don't know. It's interesting because during this whole coronavirus thing, everyone has to stay inside and some people, they're just wasting their life away playing video games every day. Like we are pretty much. But there's this there's probably somebody out there who's working on like a a special robot or a, a, a math equation that's gonna I don't know make us travel the speed of light who knows something along the lines of that it, the mm. next great bre breakthrough is in the process because some kid okay. had nothing to do yeah well okay to go with that thinking I mean the black plague right OG, the OG pandemic, right? <laughs> um, I mean, at the time it was horrible, but everyone agrees that the narrative is 
after that, because the population shrank so quickly, feudalism started becoming capitalism and workers suddenly were able to negotiate better conditions. And it's like, it was a horrible, horrible circumstance, but good things did come out of it eventually. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't think, I don't know if that's going to be the same with us, but at least in the, the way our systems work, maybe that, that could be the case. I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. possible. I think it'll take longer, but I think eventually we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, God, you know how scary that would be if we would actually get to the point where we could relate to the black plague. Like, if you guys want some perspective, I can send you some videos I've been watching about that. Uh, it this is this is like this is just nothing compared to that. And I know that's that's callous saying out loud, but geez, Louise. Yeah, mm. yeah, no, was it was it like one third of Europe? Yep, yeah, yeah, and that's not and and when you think about imagine one third of the entire population disappearing overnight. Right. Mm-hmm. That is, that's a horrifying thought yeah they reminded me not that this is any better a thing to end on so we'll have to find something else (laughs) but uh talking about people the men coming back from world war one it was like uh they would organize regiments by uh where people lived so you know you and your buddy who grew up two streets down from each other could be in the same regiment and work together but it turns out if they send you wave by wave that you would wipe out the entire town's men in a matter of seconds once they stepped on the field and just you know after after that they stopped doing that for that for that reason and uh so we learned from our mistakes (laughs) (laughs) i mean okay okay here's a positive note right Mm -hmm. here's a positive that in times of crisis people band together uh you mentioned world war one like uh i read I, i saw this thing that was like Russians and Germans were fighting, but they were like in a wolf's den and wolves started eating like they're picking off their men. Um, So they did a temporary treaty with each other and they started attacking the wolves that were eating their men. And it's like in times of crisis, we come together Hmm. and maybe something really good can come out of that. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of want to end on that. Yeah, I'm hoping... I, that's good <laughs> yeah I I, right? I I I think if we could let the virus not be affected by the polarization that we're talking about I think it'll end up being a very a, a unifying thing in our lives so hopefully it turns out that way all right well Alexei yes we're reaching that time so but thank you for being on of course thank you for having me it was it was fun um I know you said you didn't ha- want to share. Did you want to share anything or shout out anything? Uh, I'd shout out to you guys for, <laughs> for doing this. You, you Go you guys. That's what I got. That's that's it. All right. Well, thank you, Alexei, so much for being yeah, on thank here. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was fun. This was definitely fun. A little therapeutic, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> Work <Worth laughs> the brain. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for listening to the J&J Connection podcast. If you haven't already, uh, you guys should definitely subscribe to this. Uh, they, they're doing good stuff here. 
So you, you let's let's support them. Come on, let's rally. Let's rally around the bandwagon. Let's support these guys. <laughs> and support us by following us on social media. We're on Instagram at J and J Connection Podcast, Twitter at JJ Connection P O One, and Facebook at JJ Connection Podcast. Do we also have an email? J and J Connection Podcast ninety five at gmail.com. Yeah. And, and spelled out so yeah. J A N D connection 95 at gmail.com and if you have a topic you want to talk to us or talk to us about or you want us to talk about let us know you think all the people with 2020 vision would have warned us about all this